Hey, listeners, welcome to another episode of the Kids Ministry 101 podcast. I am your host, Chuck Peters. As always, I have the privilege of leading the LifeWay Kids team uh, in the resources that we create. And guys, we make some incredible resources that I would love for you to check out. You can find all things LifeWay Kids at LifeWay.com slash kids. That's where you can find out about our fantastic curriculum resources, including Explore the Bible for Kids, Bible Studies for Life Kids, the Gospel Project for Kids, and the brand new Hi-Fi Next Gen resource. Check it all out at LifeWay.com slash kids, and you can also find past episodes of the podcast there. And so find all the great things at LifeWay.com slash kids. I'm so glad to have you here today. Guys, when we get together in the church, uh, there's a couple different ways that we gather, right? We, we, we gather in large group uh, worship time with the church where we have a pastor on a stage who brings a sermon and a message and there's worship and things that happen there. But generally in that setting, we sit, we sit uh, facing the same direction and we're pretty much quiet. We don't interact with other people around us. And if we do, people kind of glare at us, you know, hey, shh, I'm trying to hear or quit talking. That's not the place for that. But but it is so essentially important that we also have the opportunity to circle up, right? Circles are better than rows in many settings, especially in terms of of effective discipleship. And so I want to talk today, we've set aside this uh, this episode to talk with a leader here at Lifeway. His name is Ken Braddy. He is the director of Sunday School and Network Partnerships for Lifeway. That's a mouthful. Ken Braddy, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Chuck. Thanks for having me on today. I really appreciate it. So glad to have you, Ken. We've uh, I've just in, really enjoyed getting to know you, and we, we don't often have a lot of time together, quality time anyway, uh, to circle up. And so this is a great time for us to talk about the importance of groups. Uh, that's something that you are invested in, in your role. And uh, we, I want to hear today, and, and we want to share with our listeners uh, some insight on just why it's so important that we are committed to groups for ourselves, for the people we lead, and for the kids and how we function our kids' ministry. So we'll do some group chat today. That's kind of funny. Uh, but first, so Ken, this is your first time on the podcast. Is that right? It is. This is my first time I've listened to it, but my first time to be on as a guest. Well, I'm glad to have you. And it's always fun to have a radio voice guy on the podcast. <laughs> I enjoy uh, talking into microphones. Now, did you, did you study radio? I wish I could tell you that I did, but Chuck, ever since I was in my early 20s, I have had people say, do you know you've got a radio voice? Have you done radio work? See, I mean, often, they say, I a, often they say you've got a radio face, right? Which you, know, I, <laughs> you and I know I have, what that means. I've, I got the voice for it and I got the face <laughs> for radio. That's for sure. But no, I, you know, I've, I've never done radio work. So when podcasting came along, mm. uh, that kind of became an outlet, you know, for me to use, you know, the voice that God gave me. So I am. So, yeah. Uh, maybe that'll be my gig in retirement, like a midnight to 6 a.m. I'll spin records at some radio uh, station. You know what? You know? That's that's always been a dream of mine. So I'm I'm a child of the 80s. And so I was in high school in the 80s. And so I I know all the music, all the oh, my yeah. head's full of lyrics of the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s, and today, right? So I go. always wanted to do radio. And so maybe one day, maybe someday, maybe you and I can do a morning drive time show together. 
Now that would be great because I'm also a product of the '80s, so we'd have a blast. It'd we would. It's mornings with Chuck and Ken. What do you- <laughs> All right, good. Well, well. Anyhow, but so Ken, you, I, I grew up in the Northeast in New Jersey and Pennsylvania. You are from the great state of Texas. Yes, yes. Dallas Fort Worth was always home. Still is. When people ask you, know, "Where's home?" Yeah, I, I want to say, I want to say Nashville. Uh, we've been here 13 years now, okay. but it, it, my mind always defaults to Dallas, Fort Worth. That's where I grew up. That's home. And so there's a lot of influences in your life and things that make you who you are that came from there. So you, I, I know you travel quite a lot with your job. So, in it, it, you know, in your role, although you say you haven't used your voice in radio, you use your voice regularly as a conference leader, leading trainings and workshops in person all over the country. And so part of that, I know that you are a little bit of a food guy, are you not? I do. You know, I like I like food as much as anybody, right? And uh, whenever I get back to Texas, uh, I love, uh, you know, a couple of, uh, you know, genres of yeah, food. Yeah, what, so what are the big go-tos? So if I, so I'll, later this year, I intend to yeah. be in Dallas-Fort Worth. We'll be there for a VBS preview event in January. Listeners, you can sign up for that and meet us there. Heart of the Child Conference is coming up. We'll be, we'll be yeah. down there again. And so for all of that, I kind of need to know where to eat when I'm in Texas or what to eat. You know, a uh, couple of food groups you got to have, you know, barbecue is one. Food groups. Uh, I've discovered this is no meat, meat group. To, is that the meat group? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Meat group. So no offense to Nashville or, you know, states out here in the East, but, uh, I, I had never had pulled chicken, pulled pork, never had that until we came here to Nashville. So I always default when I go home, I got to have some great brisket oh, and yeah. they know, they know how to smoke it and do it right in Texas. And I love good Texas brisket. So and is it that's different one. there. Is it different there than it is anywhere else? I think so. Yeah. We finally did find, find a place here in the Nashville area called mission barbecue. Okay. It's been about the closest uh, to Texas brisket that I've, I've found since being here, but I just love a good brisket. So know, being, good brisket. being a New Jersey guy, I, I'm a pizza guy. I love a good New Jersey yes. style pizza, which is superior yeah. to New York pizza. That's a whole different conversation. Anyhow. So everywhere I go, I start, I look for good pizza. And I mm. post pictures of it on my Facebook and Instagram and things. And then I often have people who recommend to me either, hey, there's this place you have to try uh, or who people who ask me. And so I've got a friend going to Boston. He's like, where should I go? I'm like, Regina's Pizza in Boston. You got to uh. go. So if listeners, if you are brisket people, if you are displaced Texans living around the country and you found good brisket, <laughs> let Ken let and know. I know. We would love to yes. know. Where to where to find that? And then we that, can go. Absolutely. Here's my big segue, Ken. Ready? Then we can go and eat as a group. Ah, as, as a group. I see what you see did, what there. I did there. Yes. So let's Ken, let's let's turn the conversation and talk about the subject at hand today. And that is the value, the importance, and the future of group ministry within the church. So yeah. let's get started here. Where are we at with groups today? What is the value of them and where are we heading? So I, this is a great question to start with, and I think that this is a, uh, the answer is, I think that there has been an appreciation for groups in a post-COVID world that we might have not thought about pre-COVID. We were just, you know, we were doing groups before COVID because we always do groups, you know, we do groups and we go to worship and those kind of things. 
But I think that that Chuck, I know you remember the first six months to nine months of COVID when we weren't meeting, everybody was living at home, uh, taking walks by yourself in the neighborhood and, you know, not being around people, uh, man, did the church miss the church, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and it felt like we got to a certain point that, uh, there was this epidemic of this, that we've got to get back together. We've got to start regathering zoom's been fine, but it's not the ultimate. And so we need, I need to sit across the circle from you and, and we need to be in proximity to one another. And, and during COVID, you know, we had pastors that were calling in, uh, customer service would sometimes send them uh, to my voicemail and I'd call them back. And, and one of the questions was, you know, are groups going to come back? Because right now, you know, we're so down in numbers. Does this ever recover? And I kept telling them, yes. And I, and I wasn't going to give them false hope, but I really do believe, Chuck, you know, that we have a clue about this early in scripture in Genesis 2, 18, during the creation account, we find that uh, after, you know, God had created Adam, Adam had named all of the animals and then realized there's not another kind of me here, you yeah, know, yeah. Uh, the Lord made this comment uh, that it is not good that the man is by himself. So yeah. I'll make a helpmate for him. And so I kept telling pastors, it's going to be okay because God has created people with this, this innate need for one another, for relationships. Yeah. And while I'm so thankful we had Zoom technology during uh, COVID, uh, we see that God has programmed into human beings the need for one another. Yes. And and I said, it's going to be okay. Groups are going to come back. People will be back to the church. They'll be back in home groups. They'll be back in kids groups because we need this. And uh, And I think we saw signs of that, you know, during COVID. We discovered it was not good that we were alone. Yeah. Yeah. So and it's there's, so a, there's easy. a bright future. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, and I agree. I think that you know, there's so much value in being face to face. I mentioned in my in the at the beginning of the episode the idea of circles versus rows, right? We yes attending a large group worship service where we listen to preaching and teaching is is crucial to yeah. our spiritual growth and development in our walk with the Lord. But likewise, if we only have that, we miss a really key part of the faith, and that is walking together with others in uh, in relationship. We're not meant to do this alone. We're meant to be connected with others. And Absolutely. discipleship happens in relationship. That's something we talk about quite a lot here on the podcast. Yeah. So just to kind of give a, a little bit of a framework in case, because when people hear the word groups, they may picture something different. So I, I think of yeah. two different types of group, and maybe there are more, but I think of one for many of us in our churches, groups look like uh, 10 to 12 people who maybe gather in someone's living room on a Sunday night or midweek, and there's kind of a home group setting. And in other churches, our Sunday school hour is our group time when we get together with others within the church. And we may have smaller rooms that are still in rows, but they're they're opportunities for interaction in that smaller setting. So I know home groups and Sunday school are both uh, key ways that that groups uh, uh, are manifest within the church. Yeah, absolutely. They are. And I think that uh, I think both groups learn from one another during COVID, you know, that there, uh, there doesn't have to be a competition, uh, that they can be very complimentary and, uh, and can be used by the church 
uh, to reach different kinds of people. There are folks you know, in my neighborhood, Chuck, that if I were to start a Bible study and if I were to go up and down the block and put a flyer on the door, you know, knock, talk to somebody and invite them over, uh, there's a decent chance because I'm a neighbor that they might come try that. Yeah. Sit in my living room. It's not threatening, you know, but to say, hey, come to my church, come to my class, you know, Chuck, sometimes people in their minds imagine what that might look like. And it can be kind of scary, you know, hey, I'm going to be with a bunch of people yeah. that really know the Bible and, and I don't. So I'll kind of be exposed as the, you know, I just don't know the scripture guy. Yes. Uh, you know, I don't know what happens. Are they going to ask me to pray out loud or, you know, read things in the Bible? There's a lot of hard names to pronounce. And, you know, well, I, I not look like I know what I'm doing. And so there are a lot of hurdles that people have to get over. So I, I like the idea of multiple hooks in the water. If you were going to go fish, you know, different lines, different baits, uh, you know, we're still catching fish. But we'll do it in any means that we you know can uh, to get something in the boat, and I and I like the idea of different styles and kinds of groups. Yeah, and, and we talk about uh, how to welcome that outsider in quite a lot in our book, Flip the Script. Uh, yes, I think the listeners yes. are familiar with that. If you get listeners, if you want a free copy of that book, uh, you can find that at lifeway.com/slash/flip-the-script-download. It's a long URL, but you'll find a free digital copy there. Uh, but in that, we talk about the importance of being aware of the newcomer and the outsider yes. and, yeah. and how that small group setting is really the best way for that person to feel seen and known and wanted and valued and welcomed. Yeah. So groups are a key uh, on-ramp on uh, for for non-believers or new believers into our churches. Ken, so Ken, but doing groups is not easy. So it's one of those things that requires a lot of leaders. There are a lot of hurdles uh, to, to doing effective group ministry. Yeah. Why is it something that, that the church needs to keep fighting for? I, I think one of the things you just mentioned, Chuck, the word connection. Hmm. Uh, when my wife and I first moved to Nashville for me to take my job at Lifeway, this was uh, March of 2010. Uh, we've been on church staff in Texas for 18 years. And so, you know, we were known, everybody knew my wife, she's Tammy, she's Ken's, you know, Ken's wife and that kind of thing. We came here and we were completely invisible. You know, we were looking for a church uh, home. Uh, we had made a list of churches we were going to visit and we started visiting. And, and Chuck, I want to, I want to just take a maybe 60 seconds and and share with the audience here something that I think is really crucial mm. when it comes to that connecting and welcoming people. This is going to sound implausible, but I say this in conferencing. I'll, I'll continue to say it. I've written about it in some books and I've got another one I'm going to do in 2025 along this idea of creating biblical hospitality in groups. Yeah. Because Chuck, unfortunately <laughs> for us, we spent almost one year of visiting churches here in our area, churches of all sizes, flavors. I mean, all Southern Baptist churches, you know, but small, big, medium, you know, contemporary, traditional, uh, you know, choirs versus praise teams. I mean, it was just, it ran the gamut, but the common denominator, unfortunately for us is we went to Sunday school every week. And on most Sundays, Chuck, we could walk into a group, sit down, 
and nobody spoke to us. I yeah. mean, they were having conversations with one another in our in our adult group, but uh, boy, it left us very lonely. Yeah. And uh, we were 12 hours from home, had just moved away from everybody that we are biologically and blood related to. Yeah. And we were just lonely. My wife was lonely, wanted some new friends. I needed some new golf buddies and, yeah. you know, people to go to movies and dinner with. And that's what we were looking for. And Chuck, we just, we could not make connections. And mm. so uh, it even got so bad. I hate to admit this, but there was one Sunday when it happened again, you know, we'd gone to a group weren't, you know, weren't welcomed. And, you know, they, they didn't mind that we were there, but it wasn't like they were going to make a big attempt to pull us into the group. And I remember telling my wife on the way home from church that day, I said, you know, I, I'm, I think I'm done. And she said, what do you mean you're done? And I said, I'm, I'm done going to Sunday school. I said, it's been, you know, 10 months of this at all kinds of churches. I said, Tammy, every Sunday is a painful reminder. Nobody wants us. And, yeah. you know, it's just, it was ridiculous. And so this idea that you've introduced and flipped the script mm. about creating that welcoming environment for kids uh, and, and making them feel like, you know, they're seen and that yeah. they're heard and that they're wanted. I, I can just tell you that that is a huge takeaway uh, that the adult world, we need to learn that too. Well, and we know statistically that probably the primary reason that that people leave the church is they don't feel connected. They show yes. up for a little while, they attend, they feel, yeah. whether it's true or not, they feel that they haven't been welcomed or that they haven't made connection. And so they bounce out and move on to somewhere else. So the, the idea exactly. of making that personal connection for, and you mentioned kids, we need to do that in our kids' ministries. Our kids' yes. ministries are the small groups. They are the group time for our children. And so even if we have a large group-oriented uh, curricula that we run, we often break out into circles or small groups or Sunday school classes for discussion and application and connection. And so we as leaders have to be so intentional that we are making sure that our we're fostering friendships between kids. But yes. we also need to be thinking about our volunteers, Ken. And so as I anticipated talking with you today, I wanted to give you the opportunity to speak to our kids ministry leaders. So a lot of us, you know, we're, we're often looking to recruit volunteers, to serve in kids. We need to make sure that we're doing more than equipping those volunteers that we lead with yeah. resources to teach. We need to make sure that they are being filled up and that they're being connected and I think we as ministry leaders need to also be connected for our own sake in groups. So share just a little bit, Ken, your heart for what, what, how, or, or some practical maybe on what can we do as ministry leaders to help make sure that our volunteers or encourage them and ourselves to be connected yeah. in community outside of just serving. So I think that starts as, as you begin that recruitment process and you're sitting down maybe over coffee or across, uh, you know, a, a, a coffee table in someone's living room, and you're explaining uh, the opportunity that you've got for them to come into the kids' ministry, serve as a, you know, leader of preschoolers or third graders or whatever the, you know, the, the class and the group may be. Uh, and, and to say at that point that, you know, not only do, do we want you to come and invest your life in the lives of these kids, but we also want to make sure that you are investing yourself in a group, an adult group, and maintaining that contact so that you've got people that are pouring into you and keeping you fresh, keeping you spiritually, uh, you know, vital, you know, vital, revitalized, yeah. you know, at all times and, uh, and feeding your soul because it is possible, Chuck, that 
if you come into a kid's ministry, let's say a fourth grade teacher, if you're not doing that, if you're not being intentional and you're making some effort on your part to be connected to maybe the group that you're leaving, the adult group that you're stepping out of, right. To go become a missionary to kids, you know, um, that if you're not going to do that, then, then your best friends are going to be fourth graders and that's not going to be healthy. You know, you need adult, adult time, but at the same, at the same moment that we're asking, let's say a kid's leader to be intentional, we need to really challenge those adult group leaders that are releasing those folks to hold on to them with a very tight grip. They need to feel still connected to that group that they're leaving. They need to be invited to the fellowships, to prayer times, to, to day trips, to all those things that we do in the adult world to create connection and community. Mm. We cannot forget about those volunteers that have left us to go serve in other parts of the church. Cause if we do, they'll dry up yeah. and they'll end up burning up and that's not good for them. It's not good for our kids ministry. It's something that the adult ministry, we, we really need to take ownership of that. And there is something there. I mean, there's a truth that for, for many of our volunteers who are serving within our preschool and kids spaces, those things happen in many churches concurrently with a Sunday school class that they may be connected with. And so in asking them to come and serve, we may be asking them to leave a group where they have connection. And so making sure that we're aware of that, because uh, there's gains and losses in everything, right? And so in yes. our gain, they they may be experiencing a loss. And as we ask them to serve, they may be missing out on important connections. So encouraging them to find that and encouraging a, a, a culture where someone can serve and not feel like they've lost uh, their ability to connect is key. Yeah, absolutely. When I was on church staff, you know, and doing education work uh, as a ministry of education, I always challenged our kids leaders, uh, our, our, you know, the person on staff that was our children's, uh, children's minister, to make certain that uh, these connections were happening, but also to, to perhaps form uh, some kind of a group with the teachers themselves and, and provide studies and opportunities to become a, a family of leaders, you know, even outside of the group that they've left. I don't think we can do too much in the area of connection and relationship. It's really, this is how God created us. And we all need that. And we can create something of that environment, that atmosphere within our ministry team. So when you come yes. to serve within kids, so like at our church, when someone comes to join our, uh, as a leader in our kids ministry, we have huddle times where we gather before ministry. Yeah. Where we look each other in the eye and we say, how you doing? And and uh, we focus on what's the big goal for the day and hands in the middle. And let's and so we can create a culture of team where you're not just an isolated uh, facilitator of a lesson, but that when you join a kid's team that you feel a part of a different group. Uh, where you find belonging and connection. And so hopefully uh, we as leaders can can have that awareness that there is a deep need that, that your volunteers have to be connected in the church uh, and to be re, replenished, refilled, refueled yes. through a group connection, either in a group of their own that we can yep. encourage or a group that we can create in a culture within our ministry team. And Chuck, I think, you know, one of the reasons we do that is not just because, uh, you know, that's what people need. They do. They need that. That's how God wired us. Mm. But selfishly, it also, Chuck, if we did that and connected people really well and they were being fed, 
um, it's going to reduce our turnover quite a bit. Mm, yes. You know, people that, that start to feel a little, you know, lost or they feel, you know, just disconnected from their friends that they they're grieving, you know, that loss of relationship that they, they used to see them every Sunday. Yeah. But now they don't maybe because they're serving in a kid's ministry. Uh, and the temptation could be to go back to what they knew, which was adult group life. But yeah. if we're, if we're filling them and filling that relational void and now they're being cared for and ministered to, uh, Chuck, I believe that they'll stay with us for the long haul. Yeah. Uh, and, and I don't know any staff leader out there that would not like to say, you know, we're, we're not really having to replace hardly anybody this year. Everybody's re-upping. They're staying with us another year. Yeah. They're going to keep investing in these kids. What a great thing for the church. And honestly, what a great thing for parents to see those familiar faces still there yeah. in that new Sunday school year, you know, however you met your church may be doing that. Uh, but to say, well, we've got a very stable kids team here. I think all we've talked about is a part of that. Yeah. And we, we know that, that all people, certainly kids in this generation of Gen, Gen Z and Generation Alpha, a core need that they have is for belonging. There's a big cultural need to have a place to belong. But that is not exclusive to young people. Yeah. All of us have that need. And so the leaders on your team are longing for belonging. And, and when we can make connection, that's when uh, commitment comes, right? When there's connection. And so we talked about uh, the need to have four C leaders who are committed and consistent and connected and who care about kids and about the ministry. All of those come in a context of belonging and a culture we can create to, to build that connection. Ken, Absolutely. Ken, what's, give us your best argument for why groups matter. Okay, this is a uh, this is an easy one. I'm going to tell you a quick story here, Chuck, to to maybe wrap us up. But there was a senior adult lady uh, named Millie that I sat down with years ago. Um, she had been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. She had dementia, and I my heart just hurt, you know, because I was watching her change. So I sat down with her one afternoon and I said, just tell me your, you know, tell me your, your life story, things that, you know, maybe I don't know about you. And, uh, and I discovered that, uh, you know, in her distant past, uh, she had uh, grown up out in West Texas, out in Abilene. Um, her dad was a deacon and she grew up in church and, Sometime in high school, she began thinking and praying that, you know, maybe the Lord would, you know, grant her a wish. And that was to be the wife of a pastor, felt like she could take some musical abilities she had and help him in ministry. And lo and behold, if when she got to college, she didn't run into a young man who was there also preparing himself for ministry. And they started dating fell in love, got married, and he finished seminary at Southwestern and went to interview at his very first church, thought that he had the job. And it turns out that the church interviewed somebody else. They thought it was a better fit. And they gave him that, you know, the Dear John letter kind of thing. Mm. And uh, Millie told me that he became so upset and just enraged that uh, he didn't get that church. He literally walked away from ministry and he had just graduated from school. So before he even could get started in the pastorate, he, he left the church hmm. and uh, they, you know, on they went with their lives and it was 10 years, she said, and there'd been no children produced in the marriage. So she went to the doctor 
doctor told her that there was something uh, about her physiology that uh, she was not going to be able to have kids. So they might want to think about adopting. So that was another big blow. But just a year or so after that, lo and behold, she, she found out she was pregnant, had her first child. It was a son. And about three years later, had a daughter. And so life had turned, you know, for the better, you know, their family was starting to grow, but her husband was not going to church. And so, you know, as the kids were young and as they grew, she made a decision uh, to take them to church and make sure that they were in Sunday school and all those things you should do all the while, you know, the husband wouldn't go in time. She found out that uh, he had had two different affairs. And after the second one, that's when she ended the marriage. And, uh, and so I, I say all that to say that, you know, her, she never got remarried and, uh, but she was very involved in her church. Uh, she played piano, served on committees and did all those wonderful things. And then, found out that she had, uh, you know, this, the disease, the, the dementia and Alzheimer's. She died about four years ago, August 22nd, uh, of 2019. So just before COVID uh, broke out, um, how do I know these things? Uh, I know these things because that's my mom. Oh. That's mom. That's Millie. And, um, uh, she at her funeral, uh, after she passed, uh, we were sitting there and the preacher had been given a book that Chuck, I did not know existed. Uh, my mother, before her mind left her, typed up her life story in a three ring binder. Wow. And he read from the book from her life story. And here's what he said. Uh, she said that uh, she so appreciated her parents, my grandparents, taking her to church and how she loved this Sunday school teacher named Helen Jensen, who was her third grade Sunday school teacher. Chuck, I had no clue that Helen Jensen even took up space on planet earth, but Helen led my mother to the Lord as a third grader, as a 10 year old girl. Uh -huh. And Chuck, that changed my mom's life because mom, you know, wanted to be a pastor's wife, didn't get to live that out, wanted her children to be in church. She did get to see that happen. Right. Um, but we go back to Helen discipling my mother and putting her on a pathway to where even in difficult times when a marriage ended mm. and she was out there by herself, you know, kind of carving out a, a different kind of life, uh, that she kept relying on the Lord. And it all goes back to the way her parents insisted that they go to church and how thankfully some West Texas Sunday school teacher named Helen Jensen invested in children. And one of those happened to be my mother that she loved, shared the gospel with, and then discipled her and watched my mom grow. Mm -hmm. And I say all that to say that the life that uh, my mother wanted and didn't get, thankfully, she got to see my sister marry uh, a pastor and her husband, Ron, is the one who preached my mom's funeral. Her son-in-law did that. Uh, and so that was an amazing thing. She got to see me come to Lifeway and uh, to have influence over the mm -hmm. curriculum that you know millions of folks use on a weekly basis. And uh, I wrote a book uh, called Breathing Life into Sunday School, dedicated it to her. And I just said on the dedication page to my mother who took me to Sunday school. Uh, and so uh, if, if you're a, a kids ministry leader or if you're a kids ministry group leader listening to the podcast today, never say I'm just a teacher. I believe God is using you in, in bigger ways than you may know. Mm -hmm. Helen never could see the extent of her impact and influence on my family. Yes. But I'll find her in heaven and I will tell Helen, thank you because it changed my mother 
And in changing her, it changed my sister and I, even when I had a father, you know, that would not go to church and, and, and would not take part in you know, our spiritual upbringing the way that he should have. Dad's not a bad person. Uh, he's passed now too. He's, he's in heaven, but uh, I just, uh, you know, I, I'm so thankful that somebody like Helen realized the value of investing in kids because it changed our family. So what's my best argument, you know, for having groups, because there's Chuck, there's lots of kids out there like me that didn't have a a spiritual strong influence and a father that needed somebody. And my mother stepped in and filled that void. And I think I can look back and say, thank you, Helen, for, for investing in kids. And there's a lot of kids out there who are like your mom, who need us to be the Helen in their lives right now. Yeah. Wow. Thank you, Ken. Ken, thank you for sharing that story. And thank you for sharing your wisdom and insights and your passion for groups. We so appreciate the work that you do. And we're thankful to have you here today. Awesome. Thanks, Chuck. I really do appreciate it. And listeners, we so appreciate you. Listen, as you go today, keep in mind this truth. What you do matters. What you do matters. You may not feel it in a day as you work under the pressures of preparation, under the stresses and strains of children who can be difficult at times, and all the things that come with kids' ministry. We don't often get to see the fruit of the seeds we're planting, but as Ken shared, there is a lasting legacy that God is building through kids in your church, and you may never know the influence you're having, but what you do matters. Thank you for leading where you do and how you do. Uh, Stay committed to the Lord and know that we're praying for you, your friends here at LifeWay. We want to do more than just provide you with resources. We want to partner with you to inform, instruct, inspire, and encourage you in your ministry. So please be encouraged today as you go back to serve in your context this weekend. Thanks for listening. Come back again soon for another episode of the Kids Ministry 101 podcast. 